No, go ahead and have a seat. Hey, if, you are, uh, if you're visiting us or new here for the first time, uh, we want you to feel like this is home. Uh, we want you to know also that we're genuinely happy that you're here with us. Um, for the last month, as Dave mentioned, we have been in our series on the family. Uh, and I feel incredibly honored this morning uh, to, as we conclude that series to open up God's word and unpack what Jesus has to say about children. And friends, how blessed are we to have so many awesome children here at Cedar Mill? And there's a lot of them. Um, for Bethany and I, uh, children have been a passion for us since we first started dating at Westmont College about 20 years ago. Any Westmont families in here? Any? Oh, we got a couple back there. Awesome. Yeah, in fact, it was on our very first date um, when I actually went and told her I wanted to have at least five kids on a first date. <laughs> that I guess that she might be the one when she actually said yes to a second date. But the reality is she ended up calling my five and raising me one. These are our, our precious kids. Um, that's Sydney, 14, Noah, 13, Abraham, 10, Caleb, five, Mariah, four, and then there's little baby David in the froggy water wings right in the front, and he is two years old. Uh, and friends, I've wanted to um, do this for a while, but I just want to stop and say thank you. Um, we've been here for just over four years, and you have loved my children. Many of you have invested in my children, uh, been patient with my little ones, loved Bethany and I, supported us as parents. Maybe you've had to be patient with us too, but you've been a reflection of Jesus, and we honestly could not be happier than to be a part of this church family. So thank you very much. Um, Seriously. But I'm also grateful to get to, to look at what Jesus has to say about children because so much of our national discourse right now is related to topics, whether it be immigration and the child separations or the next Supreme Court justice that will profoundly or has already profoundly impacted children uh, and sometimes tragically. But before we go any further, let's give our attention to Jesus would you open your Bibles with me if you have them? If you don't, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. And if you can't get your hands on one of those, no worries. Just direct your attention up here to the screen behind me. And we are in Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. Give you a second. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Friends, would you pray with me real quickly? Jesus, we need you. Uh, again, I need you in this moment. Let my be, words be your words, the words you wish to speak to us this morning, and cast all other words aside. And Father, again, we do pray that you prepare our hearts to receive your words, soften our hearts. If we are being honest, sometimes your words hit us and challenge us 
and our hearts want to push back when you're challenging us about things that we're clinging to tighter than you. Father, we don't want to cling to anything tighter than you. We pray, we love you, we praise you in your name. Amen. So a couple months ago, one of my buddies sent me this list. He knew that I had three young children, one that was still a toddler, and he thought, you know, he typed, you may find this humorous. He was right. It was hilarious. It is entitled, the list is entitled, The Property Laws of a Toddler. (laughs) Property Laws of a Toddler. And there's 10 of them, so hang with me. Number one, if, if I like it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Number seven, if it looks just like mine, it's mine. Eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Nine, if you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And the best, number 10, if it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) Now, friends, if you have a toddler like me or have had toddlers, you know that this is spot on. Toddlers are completely honest, exhausting at times, and hilarious. They have no inhibitions and have no problem making a scene, preferably at the most inconvenient of times, which makes it all the more amazing that Jesus, teacher, healer, all-important, God in human form, Jesus, stops everything he is doing to spend time with children. Jesus' act of making space and loving children was truly countercultural because the culture he was speaking into did not value children. Abortion and infanticide were rampant, Abandonment was common, and child slavery and labor were prevalent as well. There really was no cultural paradigm for what Jesus was doing. Now, it is tempting for us at this point to say, wow, I am so thankful I do not live in ancient times where they devalue children so much. But friends, Jesus' words and actions are just as prophetic to our culture today as they were to Roman culture. Almost 90% of children experiencing a certain type of developmental disability will have their lives ended before their birth. Abandonment is common, especially by parents or by fathers. Estimates of upwards 40% of children in the United States do not have a father in the home. On a daily basis, over 500,000 children are in the child welfare system for abuse and neglect. And trafficking is an epidemic including and especially here in Portland. No, friends, Jesus' love for children is countercultural for us as well. And we should probably take it easy on the disciples too. They were assuming Jesus did not have time for unimportant people like children who have no power or influence. But gang, the honest truth is that how we think culturally is not much different. How often do we also value people for what they can do or what they can produce? 
How often do you and I give more attention to someone based on their appearance, wealth, or influence? But then there is Jesus, who comes in and treats everyone like they have equal value and dignity, created in the image of God, and worthy of all love and respect, regardless of their station in life. I was abruptly reminded of the difference between how Jesus sees people and how our world sees people six years ago. I have shared before about a season in our family's story when we felt compelled to strongly advocate for one of our foster children. During that, during that time, we tried everything we could do to be a voice for him. When the plan for his future was looking extremely dangerous and detrimental to him, we had the idea to reach out to our state representative. Surely she would listen. She had often lauded herself as a family values candidate. We assumed that if anyone in power would listen and respond to the situation our foster son was in, she would. So we set up an appointment. It was to be a 30-minute appointment. We showed up early, rehearsed our appeal, and I even wore a tie. Not common for pastors nowadays. We wanted to do anything to communicate just how serious the circumstances were. Five minutes into our meeting, as our 18-month-old foster son was sitting on my lap, she interrupts us, looking into our eyes, but addressing our foster son says, I am sorry, child. Maybe I can make a call or something, but the president of Oregon State University just stopped by and needs to talk. I must be going. He is a very important man, so I really, really need to end this meeting. Honestly, for me, sitting there as his father, I, she could have just as easily said, sorry, you are a little boy experiencing disability who is in the foster care system. You can't speak, you can't vote, and you offer me nothing but more burden. But there is a man who wants to meet with me who has power and influence and enhances my life, so I've got to be going. Now compare her response to Jesus. The Alpha and Omega, the Son of God, who has the complete love of God the Father. Literally, no one has more influence and power. And he says, stop everything. Let the little children come to me. I want to spend time with them. Stop everything. I want to spend time with the weak, the small, and the voiceless. Friends, that is our God. And just a side note, Jesus must have been fun, friends. I can tell you one thing, after working with children all my adult life, children will not run to you if you are not fun, okay? <laughs> children only run to you if you are fun or maybe you are driving an ice cream truck <laughs> or possibly own a bounce house, okay? We never read in the Bible, and the children came running to the super legalistic Pharisees, okay? It just doesn't happen. Children have an amazing way of discerning if you truly enjoy being with them and love them or not. Is the reason children here at Cedar Mill, the Cedar Mill Kids Program, walk through the Bible every three years and we own two bounce houses? In fact, I always tell Bethany, if I were to write a book on children's ministry someday, it would be entitled Jesus and a Bounce House. <laughs> no, friends, Jesus saw children as valuable and spoke prophetically to Roman culture then just as he does to our culture today.
He did not care about the opinions of people or their view that children are weak, small, and insignificant. As we continue to unpack this text this morning, I want to look at three lessons Jesus has for us. Jesus invites us to love, to lead, and to learn from children. First, Jesus wants us to love children. I remember feeling compelled when I was younger that I really wanted to express my love for Jesus and what I did with my life. I started thinking, should I do this or maybe that? And I ended up getting paralyzed by the question, what does Jesus want me to do with my life to show my love for him? Then one day I was in a bookstore. You remember those places? Yeah. And I picked up a Christian book titled, Just Do Something by Pastor Kevin DeYoung. The gist of the book was that you really don't have any reason to sit around doing nothing, even if you haven't figured out exactly what your life, life's calling is. Jesus has already made it clear to each one of us, through his word, many things he, want us, he wants us to do with our lives. And here he makes it clear, loving the little children is one of them. There are so many questions people have related to Jesus. But here is one thing no one should debate. He is with the poor, the refugee, the widow, and the little child. All who our world would push to the margins. And friends, loving children can include your own children, if you are a parent. Children here in our church family and those outside of our church family. If you are a parent, how much time do you set aside intentionally to spend with your children? One of my favorite authors, Paul Tripp, is fond of saying, children spell love, T-I-M-E. Friends, we can't just say, hey, I'm going to clear this 20-minute window of my crazy busy schedule to spend some quality time with my children. It just doesn't work that way. Quality time requires a quantity of time. Sometimes those truly quality conversations with your children only happen during a quantity of time. And I'm convicted of this as well as a parent. Honestly, friends, if I fail in any way as a dad, I feel like at times I fail to give my children the quantity of time required to have those quality times. If it wasn't for a dear friend of ours here at Cedar Mill who offered us his timeshare in Canada recently to slow down and step out of the busyness of life, I would not have been reminded just how much quality time with my children requires that wide space of quantity time with them. And friends, we all have a responsibility to not only care for our own children, but for those here within our church family as well. If you haven't figured it out yet, we take raising the next generation of world changers for Jesus seriously here at Cedar Mill. Cedar Mill kids and our youth ministry are growing, they're bursting. And the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with children is always available. Or maybe Jesus is inviting you to reach out and love your neighborhood kid. Maybe even the one that constantly comes over and rings your doorbell at dinner time. I remember our old neighborhood. Our neighbor and his wife had four children. At one point, they began to have some pretty gnarly marital issues. And their youngest child started hanging out at our house a lot. Like every waking moment. I remember often just wanting to sit down quietly and quietly watch a game and then the doorbell would ring. And I would just let out this groan like, ugh. And Bethany would give me that look that I think Jesus would have given me too. 
And I would go over and I'd let her in, and then she would spend the day following Bethany around the house. Friends, she was just looking for love and stability, and Bethany would have the most profound conversations with her about family and Jesus. Or friends, Jesus might be calling you to care for a child in need of a family who is experiencing the child welfare system, like the Gott family and many others here at Cedar Mill. Or maybe if you aren't able to become a foster parent, but you are able to give a week of your year at Royal Family Kids Camp, or you, are, you, or you are able to simply come alongside and support one of the foster and adoptive families here at Cedar Mill. And friends, trust me, they can't do it alone. Many here have come alongside our family. When we got a call to adopt our son Caleb's biological brother, David, the two-year-old, one of our ambassadors here, Tom Baker, offered to use his experience in contracting to help us convert our garage into more living space. I do still think Tom's favorite part of helping us was all the laughs he got from watching me bumble about with his tools. But friends, there's something altogether unique about loving children too that I'm convinced Jesus wants us to grasp and experience that is different than loving any other type of person. When we love and serve children, they expect it and can offer us little in return. They don't stand up here on the stage and say, I would like to thank Esther Stone for changing my stinky diaper and reading me a Bible story and teaching me about Jesus' love in the two-year-old classroom this past year. No, they want Esther to change their diaper, read them a Bible story, and hook them up with goldfish crackers. When you love a child, it is not for what they can do for you, though there are blessings. Loving a child is simply about you and Jesus. I remember one week when Bethany was sick and I had to care for all six of our children alone. Simply put, not a good scene. <laughs> I also had a lot going on and a lot of demands on my time. One night, one of our children flooded the toilet. One child put a metal cup in the microwave and the other squirted dishwashing soap into the dishwasher, unbeknownst to me. When the toilet flooded, the microwave sparked and the dishwasher filled, with, filled the kitchen floor with bubbles all in the same night. I did what any smart dad would do. I grabbed my shop vac. Honestly, the state requires every foster home to have a really big fire extinguisher, but I think that they should add a shop vac to that list. <laughs> so that night I fired up my shop vac and I thought, I can solve this problem. The only other problem was I did not put the filter on correctly and all the water I was sucking up sprayed out everywhere, <laughs> out the back. Now, of course, my little ones who caused the whole problem thought it was hilarious, right? But I was not in a good place, standing there holding that hose to that shop back. And I remember looking around at everything covered in nasty water and saying to myself, no one truly knows or has any idea how hard it is to care for these kids and how much damage they cause. But almost immediately, a question flashed through my mind. Do you love them to be acknowledged or do you love them for me? Friends, loving children gives us the opportunity to love Jesus in a very unique and special way. He invites us to truly love them and expect nothing in return as an offering to him. Next, friends, Jesus invites us to lead children to him. We can assume the children in this text are being brought to Jesus by their parents. As Pastor Dave so beautifully pointed out a few weeks ago, 
The biblical picture is that parents are primarily responsible to share the gospel with their children. Friends, this is a hard question I've had to ask myself. But would your child say that them knowing Jesus is your highest priority? We may say that our children's spiritual well-being is the most important thing to us. But if our hearts are more concerned about their schooling than their salvation, or their accomplishments in their activities more than their spiritual well-being, they will figure it out and order their lives accordingly. And we can end up indirectly hindering our children from coming to Jesus. Israelite parents would often whisper to their children the story of all that the Lord their God did for them during the exodus. Friends, is the gospel story the story you tell your children and encourage them to order their lives around trusting and following Jesus? Or do you whisper or shout by your actions that the most important story is the one of them having success in the eyes of the world. Friends, if this hits home today, and it does for me, today is a good day to humbly come to your child and say, I'm sorry, I've made other things more important than helping you know and trust Jesus more fully. Please forgive me. Our children learn a lot about how to live in light of the gospel from our example of repentance, grace, and forgiveness. Do not be afraid to apologize to your children. And church family, parents should not be alone in the task of leading their little ones to Jesus. This is a community affair. God calls all his families to care for leading the little ones to him. Whether you are a parent or not, every Sunday, including right at this moment behind that wall, little ones are being led to Jesus during Cedar Mill Kids. And God is blessing our community with more and more children. Can you help lead the little children to him? Maybe by helping in a class on Sunday morning. Or maybe it's by signing up for a park it in your area. Back in June, park it, our version of VBS out in our neighborhoods, where we live, happened at Bonnie Slope Elementary, just a mile or so up the road. When one dad learned that a Bible story would be taught, he chose for his child not to participate. But his son pleaded to go, and he relented. Friends, what an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with a child who certainly was not going to hear the gospel at home and who had never before heard the story of Jesus. And Mari Barker did a beautiful job of offering the Bible story each of the three days. And following the story, the children would then break into small groups and have the opportunity to ask questions. I want to share a few of those questions with you. So when you die, that isn't it. God is actually alive and the best. Jesus is real and he loves me. Friends, there are children within the steps of our doors in our parking lot here that have never heard the gospel or the story of Jesus' love for them. And Jesus, he really loves them. Brothers and sisters, we should be mindful of just how upset Jesus was with the disciples for hindering the little children from coming to him physically. How much more would he be grieved if we withheld the gospel or indirectly hindered them from coming to him spiritually? Friends, I'm pretty convinced that if Jesus announced to us this week that he was going to physically show up here next Sunday, many of us would start wondering at 1120 next week why he hadn't shown up. But I think if we started to look for him, we would probably find him down in the toddler room, 
rocking a child, or being a team-up buddy with one of our children experiencing disability. He is just that amazing. Finally, third lesson, the primary point of this passage is that Jesus invites us to learn from children. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is, in this passage is for each and every one of us. Grandpas like Carl, middle-aged men like Dave, daughters like Gabby, married, singles, and children. The driving question of this text that Jesus is answering is, how do you enter the kingdom of God and become part of God's family? If you look at the passage just before ours today in chapter 9, Jesus, Jesus makes it clear that you will not enter the kingdom of God if your allegiance is to your sin and not God most. And then if you look forward to the passage just after ours today, Jesus tells the rich young man, you will not enter the kingdom of God if your love and trust is in your wealth more than God. So here you have it. Either side of our text, Jesus is saying, these will not enter the kingdom of God and these will not enter the kingdom of God. So the obvious question is then, then how does one enter the kingdom of God? How does one become part of God's family? And then we get Jesus' answer to that question. And he highlights his answer when he says, and I tell you the truth. How do we enter the kingdom of God? Like a child. See, friends, if we treated this text as simply about children specifically, we would be missing a big piece of what Jesus wants to say to us. This text tells us how each and every one of us can become part of God's family and enter the kingdom of God. But what does Jesus mean when he says, like a child? Does Jesus want us to be filled with wonder and awe at everything? Is he telling us to be innocent and pure all the time? Does Jesus want us to be fun and playful at every moment? Well, these are great things about children. They have not always been associated with them. It definitely were not historically when Jesus was speaking these words. No, the childlikeness that Jesus is calling us to is trust, reliance, and, de and the dependence of a child. Realizing that when it comes to receiving the kingdom of God and becoming part of God's family, we are as helpless as a little child who cannot walk or care for themselves. Without Jesus' offer of salvation, we are completely lost and without hope. We must fully rely and trust on him to rescue us. As a child relies on their parent to protect and care for them. Like a lost child, all we can do is cry out to our heavenly father to come and rescue us, no matter who we are, no matter what our title is, CEO, COO, PhD, XYZ, no matter what your bank account says, whether it has eight zeros or one zero like mine, or how attractive or athletic you are. It doesn't even matter how many followers you have on Instagram. When it comes to our salvation, we are but a helpless child. And friends, if we don't realize how hopeless and helpless we are, we are no different than the religious leaders who criticize Jesus for spending time with obvious sinners. And remember his response to them, I came for the sick and the broken. And not that the Pharisees were not in need of healing, but they were actually far worse off because they had no idea of the poverty of their condition. Friends, do you realize how hopelessly lost you are without Jesus? As the saying goes, only empty hands can be filled. 
Now, some may be thinking, I've already come as a child, Paul, but now I've grown in my faith. And let me just say this to you. True maturity in Christ will only cause you to realize even more your utter dependence on Jesus like a child. True maturity in Christ will never result in you feeling more self-righteous or puffed up. That is the thing of Pharisees and not how you live or enter the kingdom of God. Gang, Jesus wants our complete trust, our complete dependence on him. So if you want to enter the kingdom of God, don't try to make yourself greater in your own eyes, but smaller, like a child. Fully trusting your heavenly father and knowing his love for you. As I was preparing this sermon, though, friends, I was overwhelmed when I thought of what Jesus was in the middle, what Jesus was in the middle of doing as he welcomed these children. Remember, our forgiveness and salvation and belonging to God's family had to be earned by another. And that was what Jesus was on his way to do, even when he stops here to welcome the little children. Jesus was no doubt stealing himself for the exact childlike faith that he himself was about to have to exert in his father. Remember over in chapter 14, the story of the garden, the night before his crucifixion, wrestling with what is ahead of him, agonizing, sweating blood. And then Jesus settles it. Not what I will, but what you will. Friends, I am certain there is no greater example of childlike trust and dependence than that. And do you realize when Jesus was speaking about children and childlike faith, he was preaching to himself and preparing himself for what was to come? Friends, if we want to enter the kingdom of God, to become part of God's family, we must have faith like a child. I will conclude with this story from a book I read years ago by Philip Yancey. Yancey writes about accompanying the late hand surgeon Paul Brand to his place of birth in India. Yancey writes that as they were riding in a jeep to the village, they crested a hill. And an amazing sight met us. 150 people were waiting beside the road and had been waiting, we soon learned, for four hours. They surrounded our car and greeted us with the traditional Indian fashion, palm hand, palm, fashion, palms held together, head bowed. Women as colorful as tropical birds in their bright silk saris draped floral lays around our necks and led us to a feast spread on banana leaves. After the meal, everyone crowded into a mud-walled chapel built by Paul Brand's father and treated us to an hour-long program of hymns, tributes, and ceremonial dances. I, I remember one speech, especially by a woman, who spoke of Paul Brand's mother. The hill tribes did not practice abortion, she said. They disposed of unwanted children by leaving them beside the road. Granny Brand, Paul's mother, would take these children nurse them back to health, rear them, and try to educate them. This woman said, I was one of those unwanted ones left to die. There were several dozen of us, but she treated it more like an adoption center than an orphanage. We called her Mother of the Hills. When I did well in studies, she paid for me to go to a proper school. Eventually, I earned a master's degree, and I now am teaching nursing at the University of Madras. And I came several hundred miles today to honor the brands for what they did for me and many others. Friends, how beautiful is that? 
Okay? The culture would dispose of unwanted children on the side of the road, and Granny Brand would take these little ones and love them as her own. Is that not a picture of Christ? We should all desire to reflect Granny Brand's love for Christ and reflect Christ like she did. But it's not Granny Brand's love I want us to focus on this morning. It is the dependence of the children she rescued along the road that I want us to focus on. It is the dependence and trust of a little child reaching up to Granny Brand, completely helpless, that Jesus is calling us to have. We are invited to reach out like one of these little ones to trust God completely and rest in his love and then give ourselves fully to him as our sovereign and loving father. Friends, that is the only way to enter the kingdom of God and become part of God's family. Now, every night before we put our little ones to bed, they ask to sing songs, okay? And the song list gets longer the longer they want to stay up, right? Without fail, though, every night we sing one song in particular. Jesus loves me. And don't worry, I'm not going to make you sing it. But you know it. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Friends, it's good to realize we are weak like a child. Whether this is the first time you, you will reach out and put your trust in Jesus or you've been following him all of your life, it is good to know we are weak and to rely on him. As we end our family series today, friends, be mindful that each one of our families should remind us of God's family. As you prepare your hearts to come to Jesus' table this morning, when you are ready, come as a child, knowing you are weak, but fully confident in the love and strength of your Father. Amen.